a look at leadership, it can be broken down into like five levels. Okay, so the first one, when you look at leadership, the first one that everyone thinks that leadership is, is position. So that means you're the leader now because you have the position. And so that's the lowest level of leadership. That's the one that everybody wants for some reason, but it really kind of means nothing. Because have you ever had a leader that had the position, but you didn't care? Because it's like, well, I don't respect you. I don't like what you're doing. I think your character is terrible. You don't love the Lord. Like just all this different stuff. And then so, but position is like that. Position allows you to just kind of like get away with something so that you could, um, you could only get, get the stuff done because you have to say, well, I'm the leader. If you don't say I'm the leader, then they're not going to listen to you. Now, the problem with that is if you ever have to tell somebody, hey, look, I'm the leader. You need to listen to me. You've, you've lost the thing. They don't respect you. You can think about this as your disciples. You might be with your disciples. You might be with some churches or regions in your, in your community or something. And then if you have to tell your disciples like, hey, look, I'm the one discipling you. You have to listen to me. It probably means they don't trust you because you have to force them to listen to you. But if they, if they know you're there for them, if they know that you love for them, you could still challenge them but you're not doing it because of position. It's, there's another level of it. That other level there is relationship or permission. So this one is essentially is relationship. This one is people follow you because you're friends with them. You could actually see David move through some of these. David started as a shepherd. And then when he started as a shepherd, no one gave him any authority. The only authority that he had was from God. And then when he broke through that because of Goliath, he ended up becoming a king over or um, leader over the army. And then people try to kill him. And then you look at his second level of leadership in the cave of Adullam. And in the cave of or Adullam, what happened was he was where all of the rejects were. So all of the rejects, all of the families that were in debt, everybody that was missing something, they all were in that cave with David. And they followed David. Not, because of a, not just because of position or his anointing, but because they looked at David. Everyone was getting killed or trying to kill him. All of these people inside of this cave were the losers of society. And David cared about them. And so because he cared about them, he started um, raising them up. He started being a leader over them. And so this level, though, people won't follow you unless you're their friends. So if you're not friends, you guys don't have any chemistry. If you don't like the way each other's dressed, you don't like have the same fashion, you don't like the you know, same sport or something, you can't lead them. They don't care about you. So that's the second level of leadership. This one, they follow you because you have to. This second one, they follow you because you're their friend. You give them permission to follow. The third one is because of results. You get their respect. So you have a legacy of like, okay, you're the leader. Why are you the leader? 
Well, it's because X, Y, and Z, I did this. That's where David and Adullam, he started, he took these people that were losers and rejects. He trained them up as mighty warriors, and then he brought them out to battle. And because David was such a strong leader in war and in worship and everything else, every time he brought them to battle, they won. Over and over and over, the people of David won. And so what you start seeing when David goes into um, Hebron, when he becomes king, is you got these leaders of leaders. It literally says that in some translations. What, what some translations say is you have the general of generals. And they're over these tribes and these people. And then they come to David and they say, David, anything that is mine is yours. My arm, is, my arm is your arm, my heart is your heart, my men are your men. Everything that we have is yours, David, because we know that the Lord is with you. And so this is the second part in the third level. It's where they start following you because you are getting the job done. So they respect you. They look at you as, as I'm going to start running where this person runs because I know that they're going to actually train me or they're going to develop me or something. This next fourth one is where you start raising up other leaders. What's the word he used here? It's, um, yeah, it's kind of a funny word. Let's just call it leader development. development. Leadership development or multiplication. Leadership. Actually, I'll just put multiplication. So um, keep it with the one word phrase. All right, so he starts multiplying people. He starts making disciples. This is the fourth level. So the level of, um, not I want to say success, but the level of result, the level of fruit that's in your life, now you start putting that into other people's lives. That's the level four leader. It has nothing to do with your position. They don't follow you just because you're friends and you like the same sport. It's beyond, oh, he's really good at that. It's the fact now people are following you because when they follow you, they're going to become champions too. And they trust the fact that when I'm in this person's camp, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing stuff I've never done before. I'm going to be bearing fruit I never bore before. And that's what started happening with David and the kingdom of Hebron. When he became kingdom over the kingdom of Hebron and that Judah area, that whole place started prospering. The same fruit that was in David's life was now inside of all of the leaders and the city that he was over. And so that's the next level of leadership. That's essentially where you want to be. You want to be in a place, well, the first way you got to get there is you first have to grow into a place where the Lord bears fruit from you. If you look at the principle that Jesus has, it's when Jesus sees a tree that doesn't have any fruit, he cuts it at the root and burns it. And then the disciple came along and said, whoa, 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 Jesus, I'll fertilize it, I'll take care of it, I'll water it, and then I'll, I'll be the one that nurtures it so that it bears fruit. And then Jesus says, okay, great, you do that. But if I come around the next season, it's not bearing fruit, we're going to cut it and burn it. So Jesus, he'll actually judge your fruit. He'll judge your heart, and then he'll judge your fruit, which your fruit will be the joy of the Spirit, the hope, the love, the faith. And then that's Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit inside of your life. Because if your heart is given to God, and you abide in the vine, 
you'll actually bear the fruit of God in your life. So he actually does that. In the same way, too, with our lives, if we don't start bearing fruit, he cuts it. He'll take everything he's given to you and give it to someone that's stewarding it. So if you have a calling on your life, let's say with the Israelites, they were supposed to go into Joshua's, they were supposed to go to the kingdom and kill all of the Philistines and take out all of these people. And then he told the slaves, these are your people. You're the ones that are going to do it. What did they do? They complained all day. They grumbled. They tried to kill Moses. They worship a golden calf. They did that for 40 years. None of them made it. It's like Joshua and Caleb. There was like two people. Out of like 1.3 million people, none of them made it. The only people that made it were the children of the ones that complained, and then Joshua and Caleb. In fact, Moses didn't even get in. He, uh, when he struck the rock, that rebellion must have rubbed off on him or whatever it was. And then he disobeyed God. And then because of the intimacy that Moses had with God, and he didn't listen to him when he struck the rock instead of spoke to it, he disobeyed the Lord, and then he wasn't able to get in at the level of intimacy that he had. And so you have to realize, this puts a really big fear of the Lord of God on me. I don't want to be the guy that God reveals what I'm called to. He reveals the calling over the world, and then I don't do it. And then when I go to eternity, I see the one that did. I would hate that. If I look at my life and he talks to me about the unreached nations and raising up the church and sending young missionaries and all this stuff, and then I just don't do it. I just complain all day and not do it or whatever it is. And then the next person that comes off of an eternity is some other guy, Bobby or something. And then Bobby comes along. He's all like, man, I love what Tommy said. I wrote a song for him. And then he left. He quit. He started eating pig ears all day. And then now he's some pagan on the street. And then he took the mantle or he took that calling. And now he raised up. He goes into eternity. He fulfills what the mantle is of God over the world. And then I'm looking at Bobby in eternity going like, wow, God told me to do that, but I didn't do that. He gave it to the next generation. That's a, that's very, that's a way of God. He does that. He won't force you and he won't force himself into your garden of your heart. Because he is a gentleman. Like he's not going to force your love. That's what Hitler does. That's what dictators do. That's what Kim Jong-un getting out of in North Korea. Like they force people. God doesn't do that. He doesn't force you. He just, he wants to earn your love. He wants to win your trust. He sacrificed everything. He wants to raise you up. But if we're at the door of this place where we're just not letting him do everything he wants in our life, he'll go find somebody else whose love is completely conquered by him. And then he'll anoint them. He'll put the storyline on them. He'll put the movement of God on them. And then they're the ones that are going to live it out. And that, that word to me it brings trembling in my life. I do not want to be that guy that, said, that God said, I have to skip you like the Israelites, and then I have to go raise up your kids to do your work because you're the generation that didn't do it. They say that there's this giant gap in missions. It's like you got these 50, 60, 70-year-olds, and then you got these 20, you got like these 20-year-olds and teenagers and like some of these 30s, some of these 30-year-olds. And there's this gap of 40-year-olds, like, like late 30s to early 50s that's just gone in missions. If you look at it, how old am I? I'm 30. I'm like one of the oldest people on the base. 
besides Veluz and maybe someone else, right? The, one of the, the, the highest levels of, of physical maturity we have here is a two-year-old baby. Like, I'm, that's how far it went. But that's not because God skipped a whole generation. There's 50, 60, 70-year-olds got hit with the Jesus movement and all these other things, getting lit with the fire of God. And then there's this, like, age of entertainment and sitting on the couch and getting that white fence and just doing that dog thing. We have a dog, but whatever. And then, um, it's not our dog. All right. So, like, all this stuff. And then just lost in the world. And then you skip it because they don't care about God. Nobody's praying. Nobody's praying about the anointing. Nobody's caring about missions. They're all just stuck in their jobs, working nine to five. And then no one's praying. And no one's trying to change the spheres. No one's trying to evangelize. And now we have 1% of our entire generation that's, that knows God. The other 99% of the next generation is completely pagan. Skip the whole generation. I don't want to be that generation. If we're in this generation and we're dealing with teenagers, 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds, and this is the next generation that God's raising up, this has got to be the most fiery generation on the planet. Amen. This generation that God's raising up, if, he, if we're the ones that God set as the leaders of this generation, the ones that are coming after us and our generation alone is going to be fire-breathing first lovers of Jesus Christ in the ends of the earth. Amen. And so that's what is happening here. That's level four. It's these people that raise up other individuals that will be loving Jesus and doing the work of Jesus. All right. The last one, I'm just going to change it, is legacy. This one is that you have spent the majority of your life raising up other leaders. It's not like a three-month thing. It's like some people think the only place where you raise up leaders is DTS. That's like, you guys are only going to be here for like half a year. I don't even know who's is you going to stay here. Like, your life is raising up leaders. Everywhere that you go, you're raising up leaders. Everything that you do, when you're in your family, when you're in your city, when you're in your church, when you're on the job, everywhere that you go, you raise up burning, fiery zealots for the Lord. And that's what a level five leader is. If you notice the difference between a level five and a level one, they're radically different. A level one is all about position. It's all about do what I tell you to do. It's all about this is what, we're, this is what you got to do because you got to follow me. You got to go run five miles, and I'm like super out of shape. And it's like, why am I going to run five miles? You're out of shape because I told you to. And then you're like, well, you're going to go eat good food. Well, you don't even eat good food. Well, it's like, well, I told you to. You got to love Jesus. Well, I told you. That's a level one leader. There's like zero anointing on that. Versus a level five leader, they spent their entire life raising up other people to be far greater than them. The spirit is gigantically different. All right, go ahead, break into your groups, and I want you to talk about that. God wants you to be individuals that make disciples of all nations. Everywhere that you go, you're going to be raising up leaders. The number one part of missions is raising up a leader in that country. It's not so much about you being the superstar. It's about you finding those leaders in that country and raising them up. That's what he wants for us to do in maturity. But we have to do it to ourselves first. 
All right, so guys, go ahead, talk to each other, and then break this down. Where are you at? How much do you understand? What doesn't make sense? And then if you can even find yourself in it, then go ahead and talk about it.